The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to fapc.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our scripture reading for tonight comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, selected verses. I invite you to listen or follow along now. Now, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe and had returned to the table, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example, that you also should do as I have done to you. Little children, I am only with you for a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. I imagine many of you are familiar with the famous Broadway musical, Hamilton. 
If you haven't seen it live or on TV, then you've probably heard echoes of the music scattered throughout society over the last few years. In this story of our founding fathers, there is a scene where George Washington, who was president at the time, calls a young, scrappy, and hungry Alexander Hamilton into his office. The reason for the meeting is that Washington has decided that he will not run again for president. Washington calls Hamilton into his office to break the news, to tell his young colleague that he is stepping down. It's time for him to say goodbye. He wants to make room for someone else. George Washington sings, One last time, relax, have a drink with me. One last time, we're going to teach them how to say goodbye. You all probably know it. It's a shocking announcement, the kind that turns Hamilton's world upside down. Something no one would have expected. And Hamilton, the man who writes and talks like he's running out of time, momentarily is at a loss for words. So George Washington tells him, we have one last time. Because he knows what we know, which is that goodbyes are our chance to say what really matters. And that reminds me of Maundy Thursday. My family has a goodbye phrase that we inherited from my great-grandparents. My great-grandfather, while whisking out the door, briefcase in hand, coat thrown over his arm, would yell back at his bride, have I told you today? And she would holler back, not too many times. The question was abbreviated from its original version, have I told you today that I love you? But no matter how the question came, it was always responded with the words, not too many times. Over the years, the kids of the house heard this parting refrain whispered and hollered throughout the halls. So it eventually got passed down. Now my family is not hard-pressed to say or write those words to one another as a parting goodbye. Because when it comes to goodbyes, we always say the words that matter. We say what's on our hearts. And that is certainly true of this night. If I understand the text, then I think our scripture passage for tonight is a goodbye. It sounds to me like Jesus is one last time. And I don't know that everyone would agree with me. John does have several chapters of dialogue that exist between the Last Supper and the crucifixion, but most of it has the same tone. It's a tone that says, don't forget. Let me remind you, if you only remember one thing, remember this. 
It all sounds like goodbye. The text confirms this view for us from the start. The passage begins with the words, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from the world and to go to the Father. That is Bible speak for Jesus is running out of time. Jesus was watching the sand run through the hourglass because he could feel the tension rising in Jerusalem. The writing had been written on the walls ever since he pulled that Palm Sunday stunt with the donkey parade, giving voice to the voiceless. Caesar didn't like that. The officials didn't like that. So Jesus knew he was running out of time. Or as our text says, his hour had come to depart from the world. So what does he do? What would you do on your last night here? How would you say goodbye? According to the text, Jesus does the only thing that makes sense. He gathers his friends together. He feeds them. He says, have a drink with me. He shows them where they can find him in ordinary reminders, bread and cup. He cares for them. He washes their feet. And at the end of it all, he gives them a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. He says what really matters. It's always that way with goodbyes. When I was in college, my mom's best friend, Julie, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. My mom and Julie looked like they could be sisters. They were the same height, they had the same haircut. More than once as a teenager, I embarrassingly mistook Julie for my own mom, diving into the church pew beside her only to look up and realize I was in the wrong seat. Julie and my mom would walk together each morning. They would get up before the sun to walk and talk their way into the day. Eventually, Julie began to slow the pace, complaining of stomach cramps and back pains. By the time they got the diagnosis, by the time they knew it was cancer, there wasn't a whole lot they could do. It was time to think about goodbye. Somehow, Julie knew that origami paper cranes, like the ones so many of you have helped make these last few weeks at coffee hour, had a history connected to healing and prayers of peace. So Julie decided that she wanted to spend her last few weeks on earth making something beautiful. She wanted to make 1,000 paper cranes, and she wanted to do it with her friends. So that's what she did. For the next few weeks, women would show up in shifts to help make Julie's paper cranes. They would sit together at their dining room table one last time, and Julie would show them how to fold their paper back and forth, and they would visit. 
Word got out about the paper crane project and people began showing up at Julie's door with plastic bags full to add to her collection, saying, I prayed for you with every fold. And at the end, about 20 women, my mother among them, piled into Julie's living room for a stringing party delicately stringing the paper cranes onto the fishing line so that they could be hung up as a display beside Julie's bed. And knowing Julie, I think it's exactly how she wanted to say goodbye. I think she wanted everyone to be together. I think she wanted to create something beautiful with her final days. I think she wanted all of those hours at the dining room table visiting because it gave her a chance to tell her friends how she loved them. And at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. When it comes to saying goodbye, we always try to choose words and actions that matter. For Jesus, it was dinner. It was foot washing. It was a new commandment. For my mom and Julie, it was countless hours at the dining room table. Our text for today begins with the words, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world. Right from the start, the gospel writer is telling us what the disciples can't see. The gospel writer is telling us this is a goodbye. And what we know about endings is that they come with a dose of significance. The moment shifts. We're no longer small talking. We don't talk about the weather during a goodbye. If we're parting ways, then there's an air of importance in the room, a new sense of urgency. It's why we always say, I love you when we hang up the phone. It's why we hug our preschoolers goodbye when we drop them off at daycare. It's why my grandparents asked, have I told you today? It's why we end each worship service with a benediction. We would never end a phone call with, and don't forget that dark clothes need to be washed in cold water, okay, bye. We just wouldn't do that. And you would never hear of someone's last words being, for heaven's sake, no running in the house. No, we save goodbyes for the words that matter the most. And I think Jesus knew that. I think that's why on this night, his last night, we get a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Family of faith, if I understand the text... Jesus is saying to his disciples, if it all slips away, if you can only remember one thing, if it's harder to do this and trust this without me here, then please just remember this. I have loved you so much. Pass it on. Love one another as I have loved you. My mom's friend, Julie, had those paper cranes hanging up in her home for a few weeks before she passed. 
Most of them are now hung up in my parents' house, a daily reminder of my mom's best friend and the love that they shared. But a few weeks before Julie passed, word got out that another member of our church had been diagnosed with a brain tumor. So Julie snipped off a strand of paper cranes from her display and asked my mom to drive them over to Brant's house so that his family could hang them up as a reminder that they were not alone. And a few years after that, when a child in the youth group was diagnosed with leukemia, Brant's strip was split again and the paper cranes continued to be passed on. Friends, I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, love one another as I have loved you. I think he knew that if we could only remember one thing, it needed to be loved. I think he knew that at the end of the day, the love we shared with neighbor and stranger alike was all that really mattered. The disciples had no idea that their world was about to be turned upside down. They had no idea what was coming. But we do. We know what tomorrow brings. We know where this goes. So let us hear Jesus' words for what they really are. Jesus said, one last time, you are loved, so deeply loved. Now pass it on. It's the only thing that really matters. Friends, depart from this place in peace. Show compassion, love to one another, as our Lord has instructed. And watch, watch for the dawning of the light. Amen.